stand together. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. Stand with me as we stand together, as it says. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. So remember, Paul just finished talking about his authentic ministry. What authentic ministry looks like? How he came blameless before you, living godly lives, encouraging you, comforting you, and all and so forth, so on. Verse thirteen. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Now, it's such a short verse. Can I read it again? Or I should say, it's, it's a long verse, but it's, it's only one verse. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Let's pray. So, Father, as we open your word to speak, to hear, to apply, the living word of God. May we come away today with a deeper commitment, a deeper appreciation. And as we sang just a moment ago, uh, we want more of you. We want to be people of the word, people of truth. And we know that churches all over the world have been founded on the truth of the gospel, the truth of, of the word. And I'm responsible as pastor for this local assembly. And I pray that it would always be said of this church that we are people of the word of God. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. JBC, a biblical model, the word of God. I only have three points for you. I, somebody after church last week said, man, if I'd have known you had nine points. And I looked at him and said, it wasn't nine points, Gerald. It was three points with six subpoints. And in Gerald's world, that's nine points, right? <laughs> nah, I love him. Appreciate him. But I got three today, <clears throat> but I also have some supporting scripture to go with it. Because good biblical hermeneutics, that's a big word for interpreting the scripture for studying the bible good biblical hermeneutics understands that one scripture just doesn't stand on its own you know you 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 know that the whole of scripture supports it and confirms what you're reading here and so we're going to look at some of that but i got three things i want to say about the word of god that's taken right here in order for a people to have the word of god as part of their lives and, and for a church the first thing is this, and I know it may, may sound very elementary to you, but there's some depth to this. Number one, the Word of God must be heard. It has to be heard. So what, what do you mean by that? Look at verse 13. It says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, why do we have? Weekly moments 
like this. This is not, this is a little different than what I would call a facilitated teaching exercise that we have sometimes on Wednesday night. I don't know about how the other classes work, but I know for the men, a lot of times we all sit around at a table, and I sit, I don't stand behind a podium, I sit, I'm on the same level with all the guys, and, and it's by design because I want there to be discussion. I want there to be uh, growth in the Word, and we all seem to learn from each other, and, and we study the Word of God, and we study the truth of Scripture, and, and we have a, a discussion, and it's a great time of teaching and learning and giving and receiving in that regard. But what we do here on Sunday mornings, preaching, it's, it's, it's different. There should be teaching that goes into it, absolutely. But it is, it is mysterious. The Bible calls it the foolishness of preaching. What are you doing today? I'm doing a foolish thing. What is that? I'm preaching. That's <laughs> what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. Through the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of preaching of the cross, the Bible says. And so, this is one of the, the areas that the Word of God must be listened to and heard. Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, look at what the Bible says here in Romans 10, 17. Go put, put that up. It says, Conse consequently, faith comes by hearing. And, and in most uh, translations, it says, faith comes through the hearing of the Word. So faith comes through hearing of the message, the Word of God, and the message is heard through the Word about Jesus Christ. Christ. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. I'll never forget the first time I truly heard the Word of God. Now, it wasn't in a preaching setting. It was in a one-on-one. -on -one. It was actually a one-on-two setting. It was a young lady who I ended up marrying. And my best friend, who ended up becoming the best man in my wedding, who was her cousin, and I was starting to attend their church, but I was uncomfortable because it's not what I liked. I wasn't sure what they all believed. And so I just asked them what they believed, and they shared the gospel with me. And listen to me, I heard it, but it was offensive to me. And the Bible says that the Word of God is offensive. To those who are perishing and I was perishing and it was offensive to me but I heard it and you all know the story I got angry with them told them to leave I you know couldn't believe that they thought I would die and go to hell if I didn't believe in Jesus and they said no no, no we're not saying you're going to go to hell the Bible says you're already going there really I was looking at life through a works-based religious system not through a biblical truth-based thing but i heard it and i didn't like it but when i heard it it was like it finally went into my mind and spirit and the bible says that when you speak the truth of god's word it never returns empty it never returns void it will accomplish its purposes. Billy Graham used to say this, you don't need to defend the Bible, just turn it loose. It's like a lion. Turn it loose and it'll do its thing. But so God's word was spoken to me and I heard it. And a few days later, 
the people that I was angry with and threw out of my house because it made me uncomfortable and it offended me, I called back and said, come back over. I got questions. And it was through the, the gate of hearing the word that my heart was moved and challenged. Look at what Mark 4.24 says. Check this out. Mark 4.24 says this. Consider carefully what you hear. Jesus continues. With the measure you use, it, uh, you use, it will be measured to you and even more. So consider carefully what you hear. Now listen, this, this is a great spot for this. We have never lived in a time where communication is of the level that it is today, right? As a matter of fact, one of the government leaders in Ukraine two days ago, I think it was, or yeah, I think it was two days ago, posted on Twitter and tagged Elon Musk and said, we need access to Starlink. Two days ago, I'd never heard of Starlink. Had no idea what it was. Anybody, raise your hand. Anybody know what Starlink is? Now, you correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, Starlink is a satellite, right? That allows you to have internet. Correct? Elon Musk saw that, and he said, done. And within hours, all of Ukraine had access to Starlink. Communication, man. Communication is amazing today, what we have. You and I have right here more technology that we hold in our hand than the first space shuttle had when it went up into space. We have it all, anything we want. Yesterday, I was trying to change out the grease in my new grease gun that I bought six months ago. And I bought that particular grease gun. It's a more expensive one because every time I came to change my other grease gun, I had to destroy the grease gun to be able to get the empty canister out. And so I had to go buy a new grease gun. And so I said, this time I'm going to spend the money and buy a good one so that when my grease is out and i got to replace it, I can replace it. Well, I come to open it and I can't open the thing. And I said, well, surely there are instructions that I kept. I was searching all over in the shop, looking everywhere. I couldn't find instructions for it. And I went, wait a minute, I'm going to Google it. I Googled how to replace a grease cartridge in a lock link or link lock grease gun. And there it was. And I successfully managed to change out the grease ca tube, canister, whatever you call it. And finish greasing the hubs on my boat trailer. Communication, man, it's right there. We've never lived in a time like we are now with, with, with having everything that we want to hear. Brother DJ and I were coming back on Friday from a little trip that we had to take, a one-day trip. And he was asking me if I had heard of a particular singer. And, um, and I had not. And uh, uh, his name is uh, 
what is it, Win, Win, Winley Phelps, right? Winley Phelps. And I, the name sounded familiar, but I was like, man, I don't know who you're talking about. We're on I-75, trying to come home. He goes, give me a phone. He types it all in. We watched almost two hours of Winley Phelps. Watched him sing, watched him give uh, speech and testimony. The whole, while we're driving, a cop went by me one time, and I almost wanted to turn the phone to DJ more so he didn't see it, but he never looked at it. He never saw it. He just went on by, and I'm doing my business. While we're driving, anything you want, it's right there. So the point I'm making is this. There's a lot of things we can choose to hear. And I just want to encourage you, dear people, make sure the Word of God is the first thing you hear every day. Make sure the Word of God and the truth of God's Word is what you hear because everything else is competing with that truth. I hear, I hear people all the time, you know, in a conflict like what happened with Ukraine and Russia and all that, well, what side are we supposed to take? And my, my thing on that is, if you're a Christian and you're following the Word of God, you instantaneously know because it shapes your worldview. You know right from wrong. It must be heard. So we have to make time in our lives to read but to hear the Word of God. And that's why it's important. That's why preaching is important. That's why all of this is important. So the Word of God... The Thessalonian believers, Paul commended them because they heard the Word of God. Number two, number two, we must, the Word of God must be accepted in our lives as absolute truth. It must be accepted as absolute truth. So he says in verse 13, you received the Word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. You accepted it not as human, human Word, but as it actually is, the Word of God. Listen, folks, <clears throat> if this is not the Word of God, if this is not the Word of God, then everything we've done, everything Christians have done for centuries has been a waste of time. If you can't trust the Bible to be the Word of God, well, it was written by men. Well, you're just an ignoramus when you make a statement like that. Because it wasn't written by men. It was written by the Holy Spirit, and He worked through men. He used men. Yes, they may have been the hand that penned it, and they may have, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, says that, that as they penned it according to their 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 uh, their style and who they were and their personality and their human experience they wrote the word of god but have, make no mistake that the word of god was written by the holy spirit and he used human vessels for that I'll, I'll tell you this too about how i know it's the word of god there's a hundred ways we can talk about it and we can argue about it or you can you can do um apologetics and on and on and on but I, i'll say this i grew up catholic <clears throat> and the Catholics have a Bible. One of the things that, that, that helped me to realize that I needed Jesus after my friends talked to me about it, I came across a tract that said the Catholic Bible has the answers. Catholic Bible is the 
is the same thing as our Bible, except they have a few books added in the Old Testament called the Apocrypha. First and second Maccabees and on and on and on. And in that, I noticed, you know, as I was reading the track that it says, call no man father. Well, we call our priest father. Well, why are we doing that? And I began to see, you know, that the works of the flesh and on and on and on through that track. But in reading the Apocrypha, the added books of the Old Testament that the Catholics have added, I can tell you this. When you read it, it does not read like the rest of the Word of God. It doesn't carry that weight. You can tell that some dude came up with some stupid story instead of the weightiness that comes with the Word of God. And so at some point in your life, you got to decide, is what we have today reliable? And it is, the, is it the truth of the Word of God? And if it is, what am I going to do with it? And Paul said, what you did with it was you accepted it as absolute truth. Now, if it's absolute truth, then it's pretty important that I pay attention to it, right? Look at a few scriptures here that we have up here. 2 Timothy 3.16. Look what the Bible says about itself. All scripture is God-breathed. Notice, it's God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correction and training in righteousness. Look at Psalm 19, 7 through 9. Look what the Bible says about God's Word. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect, refreshing the soul. I've heard many people say this over the years. Coach said it, though, today in our Bible study class. He said, you know, I love to read books, and I've read a lot of different books. But he goes, there's nothing like the Bible when you read it. You want to read it again and read it again. The law of the Lord is perfect because it's refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts, this is all God's word, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Look at Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word. Vladimir Putin will be judged by the Word of God. Every non-believer, your child, your parent, your nephew, your aunt, your uncle, your grandparent that's not a believer will be judged by the Word of God. Those who are believers have passed from judgment into life. Notice notice what I just told you there. We're not going to stand before God to be judged as to whether or not we can go to heaven or not. We will stand, the Bible says, before the judgment seat of Christ, which is only for believers. And it's to give an account for what we've done with this thing called Christianity. And in so doing, what we did out of wrong heart or wrong motive, uh, 
with sin in our heart, whatever it might be, it's like wood, hable, uh, wood, hable, wood, wood, hay, and stubble, the Bible says. Hable, that's a new word. Where are you going? You're going to go to Hable if you don't. Anyway, word, hay, and stubble. And it will be burned up by the, by the refining fire of Jesus. But the things that were done out of a right motive, out of a right heart, serving Christ here on this earth, it will be akin to gold and precious metal. And out of that, it will be refined through fire. And from that, crowns will be made. Thus, we have a music group that's coming to Gainesville here in the next week or two called Casting Crowns. Where did they get that? They got that out of the book of Revelation where it says that we will cast our crowns before the feet of Jesus. Our crowns represent our life's work that we've done as Christians for him. Does that make sense? I know I said it fast. You want me to say it again? No. So, everyone... to come through the truth of God's Word. And you must accept it as absolute truth. I was talking with a young person just the other day. And that young person told me, because they're going through a, a difficult, nasty divorce, and that young person who claims to be a Christian said, I will never get married again. I don't need a piece of paper. In other words, intimating that, you know, I said, no, and I, I listened and I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, no, what you're talking about is shacking up. If you're a Christian, you can't redefine what God has already said about marriage. And if you think you can, I wonder where you are spiritually. Because a true Christian loves the Word of God. A true Christian wants to handle the Word of God truthfully. Um, <clears throat> Warren Wiersbe says, you know, be careful of a person who doesn't handle his Bible carefully, meaning who doesn't take the Word of God and apply it to their life. He even went so far as to say, now, this is a prejudice of mine, a personal prejudice, but he goes, when I, he goes, I don't like to see a Bible on the floor. He says, when I carry multiple books, my Bible's always on the top. And that's just a picture of how we accept the Word of God. And is the Word of God important to us? And if it is, we, it must be accepted as absolute truth. It is the truth of God. It's the words that come from God, not man. Over the years, I've often said this to people in counseling sessions, to family members. Well, I, I just don't believe that, they tell me. And I'm like, really? You have a choice to believe what you want. But if you claim to be a Christian, you're dead wrong. And you're in sin against God because Jesus is the very incarnation of the Word of God. To reject the Word of God is to reject Jesus. So it must be accepted as absolute truth. Let me give you the third thing. The Word of God must be at work within you. It must be at work within you. Christianity is an inside-out relationship with God. It's not an outside-in. Religion tries to clean up the outside to hide the dirt that's on the inside. That's called legalism. 
Remember, Jesus talked to the Pharisees, and he talked about them, and he said, y'all are just like whitewashed tombs. You look pretty on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. That's what Jesus said. And I can identify with that growing up in South Louisiana because we bury people above the ground. And I got family members buried in whitewashed tombs. that are You paint them with a, with a chalky substance. And on the outside, they're white and ornate and beautiful, but on the inside is bones. And Jesus said that about the Pharisees, that you are like a whitewashed tomb. You've got, you, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead. But Christianity, true Christianity says, Jesus changes me from the inside. And he changes my heart. Literally, the word repentance is a 180 degree change. It's literally a military term. You know, military term. You walk in, you're doing your thing, and you 180 degree turn. Y'all ever seen the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington Cemetery? Pretty amazing stuff. Boy, they clicked some boots. And I was there one time when somebody, uh, I think, Somebody was making noise, and that guy, that Marine, forcefully told them to shut up. <laughs> and they shut up. But seeing them do that turn, that 180-degree turn, that's what repentance is. It's a change of heart and mind which leads to an outward action. So when the woman who was caught in adultery was confronted by Jesus and she was saved. Jesus said to her, where are those who accuse you? Because they had left, they had put down their stones and they had t- taken off. And he said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Why could he say that to her? Because he changed her heart and changed her life. So the word of God must be at work in you. It says here in verse 13, but as it is actually, it it is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. As a younger pastor, it used to frustrate me when I saw religious people and I didn't see the word of God at work in their lives. And I came to an understanding, and you might say, well, this is judgmental on your part. No, I'm not judgmental. I just see what I see, and I see the fruit. It is what it is. But I came to an understanding, they're not saved. If the Word of God is not working in you and through you, what are you? The Bible says God's working in you, His Word is working in you who believe. A true believer has the Word of God working in him or her. To try to wrangle somebody spiritually, put them in a straitjacket spiritually, and tell them they must live this way, What's the use of that? The moment you let them out of the straitjacket, they're going to live the way they want to live. But a true Christian is going to want to follow the Word of God and have God working in them through the Word of God. So it must be at work within you and me. Look at what Hebrews 4, verses 12 through 13 says about the Word of God. For the Word of God is alive. That's why Coach was saying, you know, I can read a lot of books and I really don't care to read them again. But man, I open up the Bible and I want to keep going back to it over and over and over because it's alive. 
an active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And then look at this, and nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of, of him to whom you must give an account. Reading the word of God is like looking into a mirror. I remember football coaches all, all the time used to say, Coach, film don't lie. Well, I found out mirror don't lie either. I used to look at the mirror and I went, no, that, that, that's not me. I don't feel the way I look. Am I the only idiot that ever thought that? Well, I guess so. But the mirror don't lie. And the Word of God is like looking into a mirror. And the Bible says that it is alive and active. It's active. God's Word should be active in your life. You should be applying God's Word to everything that you do. And the Thessalonian believers, that's what they did. The Bible says that the Word of God is indeed at work in you who believe. God's at work in you all the time. God should be always moving in your heart. You should always be thinking about what God says and about His Word with everything in life. Look at 1 John 2.14. What does the Bible say to us? I write to you, dear, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God, what? lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. The Word of God lives in you. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Here's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, one of the most powerful passages in all of the Bible as to daily living. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Think about this. Let's just stop right here. Did y'all hear what the uh, Ukrainian um, president said when the United States offered him a way out? He goes, I don't need a lift. I need ammunition. Now, everybody says that dude's a, you know, he's an actor. He's corrupt and all that. I don't know if he's corrupt, but I can tell you this. I can tell you the way he's responding to this is inspiring. I'll give him that. He's a young dad. He's got a family. But what are you saying? I need weapons. I need ammunition. I need something to fight with. And so the Bible says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So the war we fight is a spiritual war. On the contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And here's how. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, every argument, every form of humanism, every, everything that, that exalts itself above the truth of God, 
and the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What is that saying? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down and destroying strongholds. And we have the power through the Word of God to disarm every argument that presents itself against the knowledge of God. And then we are to take every thought into captivity and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Wow. Just think, man, I've got to preach like a five-part series on those three verses right there, those couple of verses. It's amazing. That's the Word of God. It's working in us. And when it's working in us, we have power. We have ammunition. We have weapons. The weapon is the truth of God's Word. And we take the truth and we launch it against the lie of the enemy that comes against us. What's a lie of the enemy? Well, a lie of the enemy says that you can dabble with temptation, but you're strong enough and you're okay and you're all right. Jesus reminded his disciples, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Never trust your flesh. And so when an argument comes against you to cause you to do something, see, that's the whole goal of biblical pastoral counseling. Pastoral counseling, helping people make decisions in their life, not necessarily clinical counseling, but even in that, the word of God is applied, but pastoral counseling. Is all about giving people ammunition to wage war against the arguments that come against the truth of God's Word. Look, I'm a pastor. I'm not <laughs> a Christian clinical counselor. And we send people to, to, to those who do that. But when you come see me and you're already married and you have issues in your marriage, I'm good for about one counseling session. Maybe two. Maybe two depending on the circumstantial situation. You say, why? Why wouldn't you do more? Why wouldn't you do long term? Because it's simple to me. Hmm, you tell me what's going on. I come back and I, I say, here's your problem. Your problem is you're a selfish sinner. Your problem is you're a selfish sinner. It's simple. And so what you've got to do is you've got to serve your wife. You've got to serve your husband. But, but, no, 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 no buts. Let's go to Ephesians 5. It's simple. I don't, I don't know how many sessions you need from me to tell you what Ephesians 5 says, but it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It has nothing about if she does everything you want her to do, then you love her. Nope. And wives, it says in Ephesians 5.33, see to it that you respect your husband. And as the book um, um, Love and Respect says, your husband needs respect like he needs air to breathe. You, as a wife, you need love as you need air to breathe. And so for me as a pastor, what I do is I just take the Word of God. We disarm every ungodly argument that comes, and we, we, we just make it simple. We say, here's what God's Word says you should do in your marriage, and here's what you need to apply, and here's how you need to change that in your heart. Why do we need a second thing? Just go do it. <laughs> now, I know it's easier said than done i get that and i understand that and then that's why i say you know i would recommend this person to you y'all probably need two three four sessions they take insurance go and see them and 
and they can help you with some of the other stuff. But I just believe that the Word of God is sufficient to knock down and destroy every argument that exalts itself against the truth and knowledge of the Lord. And then the Bible says that you should bring every thought into captivity. So if I have a thought that I'm um, upset with my wife, I need to bring that thought into captivity, meaning arrest it and bring it to the truth of God's Word. What does God's Word say about that? Oh, well, I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Does the church always do what it's or she's supposed to do in regards to Jesus? No. Does Jesus quit loving us? No. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to love her. I can't disarm every argument. And that word of God's got to be at work within me. The person I was talking to was going through a pretty nasty divorce and difficult situation and basically saying, I want to shack up and all of that. And I said, listen, just because you don't like it, listen, the institution of marriage is not the problem. God instituted it. It's your determination to let God's work, God's word be at work within you as to whether or not that marriage is going to work. Young people, you go to school. Do you turn your Christianity off when you wake up on Monday morning? Turn something else on. Hmm? Christian man, are you are you uh, making excuses for why you can't overcome lust in your life? I'm not saying lust isn't real. It's real. And I'm not saying that temptation isn't real. It's real. But I am saying that according to the Word of God, you don't have to live that way. You have victory. In Jesus and the Thessalonian believers accepted the word of God they heard it they accepted it as God's word and then they applied it to their lives Paul acknowledged that and he said it is working in you meaning God's changing you each and every day I look back I've been here almost 27 years now and I look back and listen I'm not the same pastor I was 27 years ago. God, Lord, Lord, I hope not. I hope I'm, I've grown, right? I hope that over these 27 years that the Word of God was at work in me and changed me to make me a better Christian and, and a better witness of the testimony of Christ, but also a much better pastor. That's what I'm praying and hoping because I want the Word of God to be at work in me. And I don't have a lot of regret. I do have a few when I was a father. I'm not going into all those details, but, you know, we could have done a few things a little differently. If I had to do it all over again, I would. One thing is I'd be more patient with my kids. I think we'd all say that, or the vast majority of us would, right? Um, but I can't change that. But what I can do, I can be the best 
father to my adult children that I can be. Even though I've never been a father to adult children before, I'm just learning. Right? I've never been a grandfather until I became a grandfather. And now I'm a grandfather. So I've decided, well, I just might as well grow a gray beard then. Accept it. So God help me to be godly grandfather. Let the word of God always be working in you, Lord. And that's it. So JBC, a biblical mom. The word of God. It's at the center of who we are. And we stand on the solid rock of the truth of God's word. And I thought it was, well, Jesus and the word are one and the same. Do you realize that? In the beginning, John 1 says, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Logos, or logos, Jesus is the word. The Bible says that the Word of God is bread, and the Bible says that Jesus is bread. The Bible says that the Word of God is a light unto our feet. The Word of God says that Jesus is the light of the world. I mean, you can go on and on and on. They're one and the same. So the biblical model for a church is to have the Word of God at its core and its center. Notice, it's not by accident. We're not the only kind of church, but a lot of evangelical churches, mostly, you know, Baptist churches, maybe Assembly of God churches, um, Nazarene churches, other churches, what have you. Notice where the pulpit is in the church. It's right in the center. Some churches have it over here, right? Some churches have it over there. I know, and I'm not, I'm not downing them, Presbyterians and all of that. Some of them Methodists, some of them have it not in the center. You say, well, it's symbolic. The pulpit's at the center of the building because it's where the Word of God is taught and preached. It's at the center of our lives. Now, don't get offended when we move the pulpit when we get ready to sing. So, y'all, that's my commitment as your pastor. We're going to be a people of the Word. Let me just say this to you. The Word is not old and boring. It is ancient and alive and fresh and new and changing us every day. The Word of God. I've heard people say this. I've seen people walk out of the building when I announced the sermon. I was like, oh, I've heard that already. You didn't hear this message. You may have read that scripture, but the scripture's alive and powerful and active and working each and every day in our hearts and lives. Choose for yourself whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will hold up the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. We're going to hear it. We're going to receive it and accept it. 
And if you're a real Christian, and those who believe, the Word of God can be working in you. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we are so humbled that the God of the universe gave us His Word. And His Word is alive in us. I can't comprehend it. I can't fully understand it. But I trust you. And I'm going to trust the Word of God in my life. Father, I pray for anyone in this building that needs to repent, that needs to turn from the way they've been living. They've been living contrary to the Word of God. And I don't know why, Lord, today, but I feel and sense you leading me to have those folks publicly come and repent publicly come to this altar and say i need to get right with god and have the church pray for them no we're not going to go into the details of all of that but father sometimes you know lord we just got we just got to we got to own it and go to you and are you tired of living contrary to god's word you don't have to live that way if you're a believer you can be free today. And then if you're not a believer, according to the Word of God, so as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Today you can become a believer. Right where you are, call out to Him. Trust Him as your Savior right now. Say, Lord, I want to be a, a Christian and, and I want to follow You and I want to turn from my sin and turn to You and believe in Christ with all of my heart. He will save you. And if you just prayed that, He did. He will change your heart. And He already has. And if you mean that, or if you want to give your heart to Christ, or if you've already given your heart to Christ, I'm going to encourage you to come see me as that. You let God have His way in your heart this morning. And I pray it all in Jesus' name as our team leads us in worship and a time of commitment.